Hello and welcome to another episode of Joe Blogs About Films. Thanking you, as always, for clicking on the podcast. Like I say, usually it really is appreciated, whether you're a long-time listener, first-time listener, all the same. Thank you very much for giving this episode a spin. This week, or in this episode, I should say, we're going to be talking about Tom George's See How They Run, which came out in cinemas, I think, about a couple of weeks ago now. Uh, I'm a bit behind, as you could tell, in terms of catching up with the film releases, but I really did want to check out this film uh, starring Sam Rockwell and Shersha Ronan, which, honestly, as whodunits go, this is, this, is, this is a good one, you know what I mean? It's not like Knives Out level amazing, because Knives Out for me is is absolutely fantastic. I'm very much looking forward to Glass Onion, but I'm a bit of a sucker for these whodunits, and uh, after seeing the trailer for this, it just looked, uh, yeah, like I'd have an absolute blast with it. And for the most part, that is the case. It is a great whodunit film. There's probably not so much of a payoff in terms of when you do find out you know, the actual ins and outs of it all, who the murderer is and such. And of course, this is spoiler-free, so I'm not going to be going down into any spoiler territory. But there's enough within this film to really, really like soak in and enjoy, mainly between Sam Rockwell and Shersha Ronan, because those two as the uh, as the inspectors and the constable are absolutely fantastic. And I, I mean, special mention to Shersha Ronan. She steals every scene that she's in. She's absolutely fantastic, easily the best thing of this film. Uh, but her and Sam Rockwell have a great chemistry on screen, great partnership as well. And it's just nice having that kind of like, I don't know, like uh, the... the the cynical side of Sam Rockwell to like the bubbly and innocent of of Shersha Ronan. She's new to the job, wanting to you know make rank obviously and you know do well within the police force. But she's just so like I don't know like there's something really lovely within her character. You know she loves theatre, loves film, and her gags in this like the the, the slapstick humour at times in this film, especially for Shersha Ronan's character, is just brilliant. She gets so many excellent excellent lines and uh, yeah had me chuckling quite a lot through this film. So that's what we're going to be talking about. If not, I've just waffled on already for the first couple of minutes as it is, but in, on this particular episode, see how they run. It's available on Apple, Spotify and Google Podcasts, as I say, and uh, also available on rss.com. Jump onto Facebook, give us a like and a follow on there as well. Just search Joe Blogs About Films. Uh, lovely as well to obviously see the comments coming in on the back of the last few episodes. Keep that up as well. That's really great. I love talking away about the stuff that we are discussing on this podcast. Final plug as well, obviously, leave us a review on Spotify or wherever. That too would be lovely. And as well, hit the notification button. Uh, so you can be notified on Spotify when new episodes are uploaded. So here we are then, See How They Run, which is set in the London's West End in 1953. It's at a party to celebrate the 100th performance of Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap. Hollywood film director Leo Kopernik, uh, that's Adrian Brody, is hired to shoot the big screen adaptation and is murdered before he can do so. Enter world-weary Inspector Stoppard, Sam Rockwell, and Greenhorn WPC Stalker, that's Shursa Ronan, to find the killer among the British theatre and this is again like what a great backdrop for the actual film like a a whodunit within a whodunit obviously you've got the play the Agatha Christie story going on of the mousetrap and obviously like the ins and outs of obviously the the director obviously played by Adrian Brody there and the people that he's kind of ticked off along the way to making this production. There's also like, there are, I think, I believe it's actually true that Agatha Christie did put in again. I've, I've, I've said before when I was, when I've talked about murder on the Orient Express and death on the Nile, I've not particularly read much or even seen much Poirot, this, that, and the other, or anything to do with Agatha Christie. I'm, I'm aware of her novels, but sadly for, for my, for my sins anyways, 
uh, after doing English at A level and all that. I actually didn't read much Agatha Christie, but from what I understand, there's a there's like a little true point of that she put a contract clause with the film that it couldn't be released until six months after the um, six months after the uh, the finish uh, of the of the theatre run, which again is enough in itself then to allow someone to stop the film from ever being made. Obviously, within this film, there's a murder. Obviously, who is taking who takes down the the, uh, the the director Adrian Brody and then it goes from there but there's just so much like I said to unpack I say within that because it's you've got the the murder itself which I, I thought was geniusly done and, and it kind of sets us up really well with the angles and the actual framework that Tom George wanted to get within this film because you can see the influences like my fiance straight away when we first meet Adrian Brody because he, he's the narrator at the start which is obviously uh, more on that in a second because it was a really nice touch but with some of the framework and so it was all set up and obviously seeing Adrian Brody as well uh, my fiance turned to me she was like is this is this a Wes Anderson film or have I missed that and I was like oh no it's not it's, it's not him at all uh, but you can see that influence within Tom George's work straight away off the bat um, so a bit of a tick there for me as well what I like to say about the intro with having Adrian Brody do the uh, do the narration was that it was like very meta and wink wink, which is something this film continues to do. So straight away we're getting that theme already that you're already kind of like they're already like nudging you, being like, oh yeah, you know all this, you've seen all this before. Like he says, you've seen one murder mystery who done it, you've seen them all, kind of thing, and kind of going through the motions with it. Whereas this film then tries to take it and do it obviously a little bit differently with how it all kind of unfolds and transpires. I like that. I liked it that they are kind of winking at the audience and making gags about that. Um, didn't, again, like I say, all of that worked. It's just that the payoff, I say, wasn't as good. Like if Knives Out had done something similar um, and then had their payoff, it probably would be an absolutely fantastic, even better film kind of thing. Although Knives Out is a, a glorious piece of work, I'm just saying, if, if this film had that level of what Knives, Knives Out had with the payoff as well at the end, I feel like I'd have been giving this film a much higher score. And I'm not going to be sat here trying to compare it to Knives Out because that wouldn't be fair. There's been a ton, a ton of obviously murder mysteries that's uh, that's been released over the over the over the many years of film. It's just that like Knives Out being the last fantastic one, um, it's the one that's still kind of grained into my memory. So it's easy to go to that one uh, as like a bit of a, a bit of a benchmark for for where this film lives up. But as I said, the story itself is great, and like, I've already touched upon obviously Sam Rockwell and Saoirse Ronan because Saoirse Ronan, as I've stated is easily the best character within this film. I loved everything about this character. I thought that she just brought some so much infectiousness on screen that it was hard not to hard not to get on board with it. that innocence that that character as I've already said that's wanting to get up the ranks uh, within the police force. Obviously, she's just fell into it, um, been put as a partner. Obviously, side Sam Rockwell's Inspector Stoppard, who's got a bit of a drinking problem, bit of a like classic inspector that's just going through the motions almost and really um yeah like really hard to kind of he's trying to work out constable stalker that's Sharosa ronan's character and how to kind of you know co to, to, to work with her uh, and same for shersha ronan she's obviously not used to having this kind of you know deadpan almost like not really giving much uh character to sam rockwell so that's the thing you're saying. It's easy to see where that you know those characters kind of develop over the course of the film. It's nice that they do have some brilliant chemistry, but also you can see why, obviously, by him being that kind of stern and cynical character, that there's no ruling him out of obviously suspects as well because the film is padded out with obviously the bunch of the rest of the suspects to say you've got Harris Dickinson in this cast as a young Richard Attenborough which I have to obviously commend Harris Dickinson I've already I saw him not too long ago obviously starring in Where the Crawdads Sing uh, very good in that as well playing a completely different character to what he played in that obviously by playing a very young uh, Richard Attenborough and he was just really yeah really charming as that role and he does and when I was I sat there listening to the voice and 
uh, again, you kind of go back to watching young Richard Attenborough um, features or whatever, or just clips of him when he was younger. He has pretty much nailed that voice and that character. So really excellent stuff uh, from Harris Dickinson as well. Ruth Wilson is in this as well as Petulia Spencer. Doesn't get too much screen time, but she does own what she's got. And I say, I do like Ruth Wilson. So it's nice to see her. Uh, Reese Shearsmith as well playing John Wolfe. And all of these, I say, these characters all have some form of motive as to why um, they could have taken down Adrian Brody's Leo Kopernik, who, yeah, he's he's a character that, like like I say, he says in the in the kind of meta introduction that it's always the first, uh, it's always the most disliked character that, that meets his demise first, and he is that kind of douchebag to air quote. Uh, another mention, obviously, of David Oyelowo. Uh, he plays Mervyn Cocker-Norris. I love this character. It was one of those where... You kind of obviously pointed to thinking this guy could be the also reason as, or, or be the actual murderer, uh, this and that. Because, yeah, he obviously has more more screen time, I should say, with the likes of Adrian Brody. There's obviously friction between the two of them. I thought he was just a fantastic character within this as well and uh, another special mention there. Uh, Tim Key, finally, who plays Commissioner Harold Scott. There's these lovely moments between uh, Tim Key, Sam Rockwell and Shersha Rowan, and obviously when they're giving out the orders or having meetings or anything, where there's these awfully long pauses when he's like, say, when he says bye to Sam Rockwell, they'll be like, Inspector, and they say, Commissioner constable and they just go around again in like in like a loop between the three of them that I, again it's these it's the humor side of it that i really really enjoyed to say just couldn't help but have there's so many laughs in this it's so hard not to yeah come out with a bit of a sore sore cheeks to say with all the the grinning throughout because i, I feel that that the script itself is uh yeah pretty pretty great just, i wish that the ending was a just a little bit better the other thing, obviously, that I loved, uh, or rather that I do love when watching cinema itself, is obviously what what the what the filmmakers and, and director decide to do in terms of, like I say, framing or, or the camera angles or how it's all, yeah, shot basically. Um, and there's this thing throughout where these fantastic split screen shots, um, where they would there be the frame itself would just be it'd be a standard as you would expect of conversations going on. Then it'd like kind of if the conversation end and you're waiting for a response uh, to a question, say from Sam Rockwell and Shersha Ronan and whoever they're they're investigating or whatever, as I say, speaking to, the, ca- the 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 camera then splits into two screens. You've got like say Sam Rockwell and Shersha Ronan looking at the character on, on obviously one side, and then that character looking back at them. So you're getting to see each point of view, and that's something that this film utilizes throughout. I say this kind of brilliant split screen. Like there's this. I think there's a bottle that flies across the screen. It goes through three different frames, which I thought was just, just really great. I say it's those moments that I was really impressed and hopefully see more of within uh, within Tom George's work because real big tick there for me as well. There's some great overhead shots that you like to use as well. And um, the other thing with the acting as well that I, I wrote down was that the it's set in the 50s and some of the, the performances, especially from like Sam Rockwell or just anyone really they're quite big like almost like you know reminiscent of those 50s 60s eras or whatever sneezing for example it's a real full-on sneeze and pause and such it was just yeah it all all round worked really really well um and i just i thought that like i said the score finally was uh, was lovely nice little bit of jazz and it does keep you guessing i wouldn't say that throughout i was you know trying to because i was enjoying the film so much i i wouldn't say that i had a necessary kind of go-to of right that's the person that's done it because i don't feel like the film had that much of an edge um say like with with knives out or whatever or, or whatever the agatha christie say when you're watching death on the nile obviously there's some real kind of twists and turns within that obviously recent one of the more recent um 
Christie releases, uh, cinema-wise, anyways. Um, there was a little bit of an edge to those films, I say, especially like Death on the Nile, even Murder on the Orient Express. Whereas with this one, I don't know, like I, because I feel like it was so meta and 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 you know tongue in cheek at times, and obviously wink wink at the audience, you know what's going to go down this and the other, how this is meant to play out. Um, I just didn't feel like I was necessarily sat at the edge of my seat thinking, oh my god, like I don't, I, I have no idea what it's going to be like this is going to be a complete surprise. So. It, I felt like at times maybe I was going through the motions, obviously watching this Who Done It film, which takes nothing away from the film. I'm not saying, right, okay, it's a bit of a dull affair. It's not at all. Like I said, there's enough to really enjoy with this. Mind you, the guy behind me, like in the cinema, was snoring away through this film. But then again, he did clonk out after 10 minutes in, so maybe he just had a, a bit of a long day. But that kind of took a bit of an edge off as well. Like you're trying to enjoy a film and someone sat behind you snoring throughout the entirety of it. Um, but no, that didn't dampen or, or ruin the actual experience for me. But what I'm saying, is that it's it's just a good whodunit film. It's not like you say you're going to be necessarily like scratching your head thinking I have no idea it's going to be. I feel like that you just find yourself like in some kind of autopilot just watching it and enjoying it and embracing a really good film. And Tom George say I believe it's his first, uh, it's his directorial debut as well of the big of that the big screen that is, and uh, very impressed. So fingers crossed to say more of this kind of especially the, the like I said that split split screen element. Sorry, or the way that he was doing the filmmaking because there's some real nice to say there's some inspiration there. You can definitely see the Wes Anderson side of it in particular. So I'm I'm excited to see where where this you know young young director um young direct heads to credit to mark chapel as well the writer uh, and let's say the cast as well they just did a fantastic job so yeah it is it is a very much enjoyable film go check it out if you've not seen it already if you have make sure you do get in touch and let me know your thoughts as well did you guess who it was going to be at the end were you really hooked by it let's say or or did you feel like at times you were just going through the motions of watching who done it film anywho out of 10 i'm going to give this a six and a half if the ending was just, I don't know, like if the if there was more satisfaction, I should say, with the outcome of it all, um, maybe I say I could have been pushed, maybe even seven, seven and a half. But I'm just going to give it a six and a half. I think it's a much fair, fairer, uh, um, fair, fair score for the film. Sorry, and uh, yeah. Looking forward to uh, probably re-watching this one eventually and seeing out more films as well. But again, final shout once again uh, to Sher Sharon because. Um, yeah, she was absolutely fantastic. Really, really excellent in this film. As to Sam Rockwell, but sure, Sharonin pips him to that. Thank you ever so much again for listening to this podcast. As I say, I'll be back with more episodes very soon. Don't go anywhere. We're getting close now to the 100th episode. Details on that will be posted on the socials as well. But thank you, as always, for checking out this pod and this episode. Until the next episode, take care.